if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started now at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the 23rd morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We are loaded for bear today, so prepare for that. Coming up in a half an hour, we're going to talk with the Ohio Director of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. Mike Goldstein will be joining us to talk about the protests outside of the um, uh, State House in Columbus and a particular focus of the media on those protests, the only focus that they are actually covering, to be quite honest, about those protests. Do they care about the message from the actual 500 protesters who are there arguing on behalf of getting Ohioans back to work? Nope. They focus their attention, and apparently so does the governor, of the state of Ohio, only on a couple of nut jobs, literally two out of 500, carrying signs, anti-Semitic signs, and trying to paint that as the narrative of the protest. Absolutely reprehensible. I'm going to save some of my comments about Mike DeWine and Amy Acton and Mike DeWine's response to all of this. I'm going to save that for after the bottom of the hour when Mike Goldstein joins me because um, we need to hit that, and we need to hit that hard. And by that, I mean in depth. We have to really, really make sure you understand exactly what was done, what was said, and what the reactions have been. We need to get back to work, period. And no idiots carrying stupid signs, who we don't even know, by the way, who they are or their motives. Are they plants trying to make the protesters look like something they're not? I don't know. But that's why Mike Goldstein is going to come on to kind of, kind of make some sense all of this, of all of this rather, uh, at nine thirty-five at ten ten this morning. We will talk to Doctor Everett Piper about freedom versus safety and freedom versus security and why we have to surrender one to have the other. And that is exactly what the governors gone wild across this country right now are forcing us to do: choosing uh, security and safety over liberty, and that even in in its own right that is questionable at best as to whether or not we are safer or more secure because of that. So we will talk about that with Dr. Piper. Then uh, at 1035, Bob Paduchik will join us from the Trump 2020 campaign to kind of give an update on the new campaign 
The way campaigning is being done now, of course, in a virtual world, in an online world, in a digital world, as opposed to a stump world, where you're out on the stump preaching and kissing babies and shaking hands and doing the typical rally type thing. So uh, we'll talk about how that has changed for the president and how that is going for the Trump 2020 campaign. So we are loaded up today. Now, as I said, Governor Mike DeWine is my first order of business, but I'm going to put that on the back burner because Mike Goldstein is coming on at 935, and I'm going to focus instead to get this program started on another governor gone wild. What I'm going to play for you right now is simply staggering. Um, It is some of the most unbelievably cold-hearted, tone-deaf, misinformation peddling that I think I've ever heard, let alone since this virus began to uh, dominate the country. Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, is getting all kinds of praise by the American left for his um, his press conferences and his handling. And it's kind of funny. The left is crushing Donald Trump, saying we have more COVID cases and more deaths than anybody in the world, which, by the way, is not true. It would only be true if you believed China, which you should not. But they're crushing Donald Trump for presiding over a country that has more COVID uh, cases and deaths than anybody else. And they're praising Andrew Cuomo, whose city has more COVID cases and deaths than anywhere else in the country. It's funny. So Andrew Cuomo's doing a bang-up job, the left says. He should be the guy that the uh, Democrats run for president. He's so much more eloquent and well-spoken and well-in-command and obviously compassionate, et cetera, et cetera, than Joe Biden is. So while Andrew Cuomo gets all of this praise, number one, people have completely forgotten about the fact that it was less than a year ago that this man signed into state law um, the right for women to ask doctors to murder their babies literally at the moment of birth. Literally right up to the moment of birth. So just remember who Andrew Cuomo is from that standpoint right now. Now I want you to listen to a question and his answer and the the most cold, uh, like I said, tone-deaf, out-of-touch response that I, that I think I've ever heard. This is going to be a few minutes because the back and forth is incredible. And I want you to see the face of the other side, the side that says the only deaths that matter in America are COVID-19 deaths. The only deaths that matter are the Chinese coronavirus deaths. Suicides, alcohol-related deaths on the rise, drug overdoses on the rise, domestic violence cases on the rise, none of those are the same as Wuhan coronavirus deaths. Give this a listen. I will stop and pause and opine intermittently as required. Uh, I don't know if you can hear, but there are protesters outside right now honking their horns and raising signs. We did speak to a few of them before we came in, and these are regular people who are not getting a paycheck. Some of them are not getting their unemployment check. And they're saying that they don't have time to wait for all of this testing and they need to get back to work in order to feed their families. Their savings is running out. They don't have another week. They're not getting answers. So their point is the cure can't be worse than the illness itself. What is your response to them? The illness is death. What is worse than death? Well, what if 
somebody commits suicide because they can't pay their bills. Yeah, but the illnesses may be my death as opposed to your death. You I'm, 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 I have to interrupt just right out of the gate. This man, Andrew Cuomo, wants you to believe that if you get coronavirus, you're dead. The illness is death, he continues to say. The illness is death. He's going to say it again and again and again. Despite the fact that less than 1% of the people who get the Wuhan coronavirus are going to die. The illness is not death. The illness is 99% survival. The illness is not death, Andrew Cuomo, you lying piece of Democrat, you. The illness is not death. It is a flu for a few weeks or for a couple of weeks, depending. And it may be none of the above. Many people who have had it had no symptoms whatsoever. Others had extraordinarily mild symptoms. But what we do know is that 1% or less of less than that are going to die from the Wuhan coronavirus. But he and they meaning the rest of the demon rats and their water carriers in the media want to scare the bejesus out of you into thinking that this is true. The illness is death. What's worse than death? The illness is 99% of the time not death. Said They said the cure is worse than the illness. The illness is death. Liar. How can the cure be worse than the illness if the illness is potential death. Okay, at least he threw the word potential in there, but again, 1% or less potential. 1% or less potential death. And as the reporter is going to explain, you know there are other people dying because of the cure. The, what if the economy failing... Worse than death? Is equals death. Very for, because no, of mental it, illness. It the, people, no, the people stuck at home... No, it doesn't. It doesn't equal death. Can, can, you believe, can you believe the condescension and the coldness of this man refusing to recognize that death comes in other forms, other forms besides the Chinese coronavirus? Economic hardship, yes, very bad, not death. Economic hardship is death. Does somebody need to explain to this man that during the Great Depression that started in 1929, 40,000 people committed suicide? That's just the suicides. Economic hardship has been always, and the studies are just endless about this, economic hardship leads to death all the time throughout our history. Recessions and economic calamity, massive inflation, inability to pay bills, leads people to kill themselves. It is very widely documented. And you hear him saying, economic hardship is very bad, but it's not death. Yes, it is. And it will be more death than your Wuhan coronavirus will cause. Emotional stress from being locked in a house. Very bad. Not death. Yes, it is death. Emotional stress leads to depression. Emotional stress and anxiety caused by poverty 
and an inability, a hopelessness, a helplessness to fix the situation causes people to kill themselves. You lying piece of Democrat. Uh, um, domestic violence on the increase. Very bad. Not death. Really? You're telling me people who are victims of domestic violence are not oftentimes beaten literally to death? That's not death? And not death of someone else. See, actually, domestic violence is literally the death of someone else. And that is the kind of thing that is exacerbated by what? Depression, despair, anxiety, and in many cases, alcoholism? which can't be treated, people aren't allowed to meet and have their 12-step programs because they're not allowed to gather. Alcoholism, drug dependency, all of these things lead to deaths and oftentimes deaths of others. See, that's what we have to factor into this equation. Yeah, it's your life, do whatever you want. But you're now responsible for my life. You have a responsibility to me. Who in the living hell does Andrew Cuomo think he is to say that a, 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 a father outside protesting begging to allow his business to reopen so that he can go back to work to feed his family, who does he think he is to say that that father's first responsibility should be to Andrew Cuomo or somebody else? rather than his starving children. The gall of the man. This is, this is beyond gall. This is beyond anything. Your responsibility should be to not get the coronavirus because you might give it to me and kill me. By the way, if your kids starve, hey, what can I say? It's not death. Economic hardship isn't the same as death. Yes, it is. It's not just about you. You have a responsibility to me, right? We started here saying it's not about me, it's about we. Get your head about the, around the we concept. So it's not all about you. It's, it's a- all about me and my children, Governor Dingbat. Are you kidding me right now? It's all about the we. It's all about the we. Well, then when are we, meaning you, going to go drive groceries to my house? When are you going to send me money to pay my mortgage? It's all about the we, right? Then take some of your vast Cuomo fortune and start delivering checks to people. Not federal government checks, which is our tax money. Your money. It's all about the we, right? It's about me too. It's about we. Also, I get the economic hardship. Clearly you do not. Everybody gets it. Everybody feels federal government is sending out a check uh, for individuals, $600, an additional $1,200. We are moving heaven and earth to get the unemployment uh, payments going. Which isn't working. So we get the economic anxiety. The question is, how do you respond to it? And do you respond to it in a way that jeopardizes public health and possibly causes more people to die? See, this is what I was saying on the program yesterday. It's what I was saying on the program Tuesday. It's what I was saying on the program Monday. 
to these governors gone wild, and that includes you, Mike DeWine. All deaths are not created equal. It's animal farm mortality. Some deaths are more equal than others. If you're going to die of coronavirus, we care, and we must stop that right now. If you're going to die of depression, anxiety, poverty, lack of health care, if you're going to die from what we are creating with our quote-unquote cure for the disease, well, your death isn't quite as important. This is a just a perfect example of the closed-mindedness, the cold-heartedness, and the out-of-touch world that these liberal Democrats live in. It's 923. We'll be right back. Nine twenty-eight. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Just some spectacular, spectacular stuff from the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who I think really kind of represents liberal Democrats all across this country who have absolutely no idea what in the living H they are doing, and I mean nothing, no clue, none. To declare that the cure can't be worse than the disease because the disease is death and the disease is less than 1% fatal? Are you kidding? No clue about the number of people who are killing themselves because of the cure and will be killing themselves because of the quote-unquote cure. Meanwhile, on the other side of that coin is Joe Biden, another liberal Democrat and the presumptive Democrat nominee for president, who likes death, who actually says that this new Wuhan coronavirus is exciting because it helps him and them reshape the country with a progressive agenda. Not making that up, Joe Biden said, speaking to donors in a conference call Tuesday night, and I quote, I believe because sort of the blinders have been taken off because of this COVID crisis, I think people are realizing, my Lord, look what is possible. Look at the institutional changes we can make without us becoming a socialist country or any of that malarkey. Then that we can, uh, that we can make to provide the opportunities to change the institutional drawbacks from education all the way through to the other things that we talked about. If I sound like I'm excited, I am. Joe Biden. The Democratic candidate for president is excited about the COVID crisis, even though it means people are dying because it means we can reshape everything from education through all of the other institutional changes we've talked about. Read into that all that you want, from Green New Deal to Medicare for All, etc. The COVID crisis that is going to lead and has already led to the deaths of people, some people, even though that number is 1%, but the COVID crisis is going to help us to become even more progressive as a country. These people are sick. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you even consider voting for them, you are too. Michael Goldstein joins me next on AM 1420 The Answer. 
right, it's 9.35 as we continue on this Thursday. Don't forget Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the hour. We're going to talk to Bob Paduchik of the Trump campaign at about uh, 10.35. But right now I want to turn back our attention to the state of Ohio. And I want to talk about the protests going on outside the state house. As each and every day at about 1.30, a few hundred people gather together to tell Mike DeWine and Dr. Amy Labcoat, get us back to work. This is killing us. It is killing our opportunities to live and to survive and to, to uh, take care of our families. Those protests have become, obviously, a subject in the media. Cleveland.com writing, a photo from Saturday's stay-at-home protest at the State House is gaining traction on Twitter for its anti-Semitic message. The photograph uh, captured two men in a minivan. One held an illustration of a rodent, uh, a sign with an illustration of a rodent with the Star of David on its side and the words, The Real Plague. The protest movement uh, against coronavirus restrictions has been a mishmash of people. And anti-Semitism signs, or anti-Semitic signs, may drown out all of the other messages. And indeed, uh, it certainly got the attention of the governor yesterday. Governor Mike DeWine uh, made a statement about the protests, and particularly about the signs, saying, and I quote, I am deeply concerned uh, by the anti-Semitic sign at the State House during a recent protest. The sign was vile and disgusting. While the disgusting speech is constitutionally protected, it still demands condemnation. The recent Internet post by Ohio State Senator Andrew Brenner, like, Ohio's Department of Health Director's uh, actions to fight the coronavirus to those taken by Nazis in Germany during World War II also must be condemned. The comments showed a complete lack of understanding of the Holocaust, made even more offensive by posting on Holocaust Memorial Day, and was a slur on a good, compassionate, and honorable person who has worked nonstop to save lives and protect her fellow citizens. Any complaints about the policy of this administration need to be directed at me. I am the office holder, and I pointed the director. Ultimately, I am responsible for the decisions in regard to the coronavirus. The buck stops with me." End quote. Now with reaction, Michael Goldstein. Michael is the Ohio Director of Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, a wonderful organization, an important organization, educating Christians on their biblical responsibility to stand with their Jewish brethren and with Israel. Michael Goldstein, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Bob. How are you this morning? There's a lot of stuff that I just opened up with uh, to unpack here, and I want to get I want to get to all of it. Uh, but let's start with the signs. You sent out a press release, by the way, uh, about this rally, uh, this most recent rally, the one from not most recent, but the one from April 18th uh, when uh, this sign appeared. And um, uh, obviously, as a Jew representing, you know, proclaim, proclaiming justice to the nations, uh, you've got to you've got to have a strong opinion about what you saw and what this means. Go ahead. Sure. Um, certainly the anti-Semitic content is reprehensible, and I agree with the governor and with everybody else who's talked about that content. The problem is that people are using those signs um, to create an atmosphere where people will believe that the main protest, the main rally of 500 people at the State House, is basically anti-Semitic. This is where the mainstream media is going. Um, and if you just look at the the um, headline from uh, the story in Ohio on Cleveland.com, mm-hmm. it says some some Ohio coronavirus protesters using anti-Semitic symbolism. Well, in the first place, there were some. Uh, there were probably two of them, two individuals. They were not part of the main rally of the 500 people who were uh, constitutional conservatives from many different groups around Ohio, they were standing on the sidewalk holding up their signs. And it was this that 
uh, Cleveland.com chose to uh, focus its attention on. Now, proclaiming justice to the nations as an institution, and I personally are virulently opposed to anti-Semitism, and we fight it every chance we have. We have videos out there. We have, we work on legislation. We work on litigation, um, civil rights litigation under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to protect Jews and Jewish students um, against anti-Semitism. Um, there is plenty of anti-Semitism to go around on Ohio college campuses and even in K-12 education. And there will be a PJTN webinar tonight on that subject. If people want to look at that, they can go to pjtn.org and sign up for it. Um, but to suggest that the conservative movement within Ohio is uh, at all anti-Semitic is just wrong. And the mainstream media seems to be tarring, for whatever reason, seems to want to tar the conservative community with an anti-Semitic brush. Yeah, it's really kind of guilty of that. It's it's really kind of an amazing thing that they can even try to make that stretch, considering that all of those people who are protesting and all of those people who are quote unquote conservative are you are strong, strong supporters of Donald Trump, who has been the greatest friend to American Jews and to the people of Israel and the state of Israel that this country has seen in decades. Um, you know, by actually following through, and we can go through the litany of things he's done to support the people of Israel, to recognize the true capital, to move the embassy, and all those other things, and he has been just a champion for uh the jewish uh you know christian relationship uh you know that you talk about with pjtn and to decide or to declare rather that trump supporters and the conservatives in these rallies outside the state house are anti-semitic is just insane i I have no earthly idea who the two people you're talking about are and we've seen the pictures uh one of the minivan holding the sign and then another one standing there holding the sign uh with that you know rat on it um, but I, I got to tell you, Mike, just again, given what we know about conservatives who are Trump supporters, I, I would like to know if these people are plants. Well, I would, too. I don't know if they're plants, but we do know who one of them is. Um, he was identified by the website StopAntiSemitism.org, O-R-G, and we have his name, and um, I don't know if I want to put his name out on the air, but... Um, he does have a long criminal record, including illegal possession of firearms, carrying a concealed weapon, apparently without a license, resisting arrest, assault, menacing, cruelty to animals, disorderly conduct, drug paraphernalia, again, disorderly contact. So a career uh, criminal. criminal. Yeah, well, yes, he is. Um, but uh, domestic violence, assault, resisting arrest, he's a dangerous guy. Okay, so that's who that one is. And it's fine to mention him. But to focus on the anti-Semitism from a couple of people who were outliers is is wrong. Now I've worked with people, well, especially for because years. of what the focus. Is, I apologize, Mike, but especially because if huh. you focus on that, you by by definition you are ignoring the other. The primary reason five hundred people are there is is if, has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Criticizing Amy Acton, who happens to be Jewish, has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. It has everything to do with her unbelievably unconscionable, in my view, orders to try to keep this state locked down and to keep this economy crushed in the state of Ohio. So you know the. That's the real problem, or the the other problem, rather, with focusing on the anti-Semitism of those two individuals is to ignore the real message of the 500 people gathering to express their, uh, you know, their displeasure with Ohio's decisions as it pertains to this shutdown. 
and to attack the credibility of those people, those 500 people right, in the right. audience. And, and so there, there is that. And the, one other thing, two other things. I've worked mm-hmm. for years, even before I was with Proclaiming Justice for the Nations, but since then also with a lot of these people. They don't have an anti-Semitic thought in their bodies. And say, in, in, in fact, I've seen them um, at a meeting where an anti-Semite came in and they had a comment to make. He was physically um, pushed out of the meeting onto the street by about 200 mostly Christian people in the audience. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what happens, because they are very favorable toward Israel and the Jewish people. So to at all imply that they are anti-Semitic is a calumny. It is just false. Now, the other point is um, State Senator Andy Brenner. Yeah, I, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah, uh, because uh, yeah. well, it, well, you know what, Mike? Before uh, you do that, before we t- sure, uh, okay, okay, I, I guess you can do it in the order you want. I wanted to read, or you can read, the Democratic, or at least part of the Democratic press release, uh, Demo- sure. the uh, Democratic Party issue, Democratic Caucus, the Ohio Democratic Caucus, their press release yesterday condemning Andy Brunner for his comments. But I'll go ahead and take that in the order you wish. Well, okay, there was in the original story by. Uh, Cleveland.com, there was an interview with uh, Representative Weinstein, and, and he, Representative Casey Weinstein from, Twin, from Twinsburg, Hudson. Hudson, um, Hudson, right, yeah. Hudson, yes. Uh, he's a Jewish man, and what he said was, uh, regarding this rally, there are symbols of hatred mixed in, implying that the anti-Semitic material was within the rally itself which is not true. He, he does admit he wasn't there, so he doesn't really know. He says, I think it's important to call that out. I'm not going to let that pass. There are people out there exercising their rights. By no means am I saying they're all anti-Semitic, they're all racist, but there's an element in there. No, there isn't. You're saying some, so maybe 499 out of 500 are anti-Semitic. That's the implication. The implication is that it's an anti-Semitic rally, and it's just wrong. So, And then in the press release from the uh, Ohio Democratic Caucus, he's yeah. quoted as saying, only sick logic would connect Ohio's policy of saving thousands of lives during this crisis with Nazi Germany's final solution, destroying six million lives. Okay, well, that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and uh, State Senator Andrew Brenner is a fine guy. I've worked with him. I've worked with him on legislation, um, and I've known him for a long time. Um, he, his wife put a, a post up on Facebook, and then he supported her in his own post. But what she was getting at and what he was getting at had nothing to do with anti-Semitism. If anything, it's the opposite. What he was pointing out, what she was pointing out, is the feel of what is going on in this state, um, feels like government overreach and unconstitutional activities. It feels like what she talked about uh, in Germany uh, in the 1930s, where they would say, you want to go into a building, or they'd stop you on the street, and they would say, show me your papers. And, of course, she suggested that would be in a German accent. Americans don't want to show their papers. We had... We had um, the just just to be clear, Mike, just so you know, years ago about Mike, if I may... ID card. Yeah. Mike, if I may, I just want to I want to I want to follow that up because what Representative Brenner said 
is the same exact thing that I spent two hours saying on yesterday's program. I played Amy Acton's words, and here they are again for those who don't know what you and I are talking about right now. We would love, and a couple weeks ago, the big buzz was having a test that can show you had it. And almost in some countries, they're looking at certificates to say that, and then that you were immune and therefore kind of able to go about your business. And I think that would be a dream thing if we can get to something like that. She said that at the press conference on the 21st, which was, what, Monday, I guess? Um, and and what she said was, was just chilling to me. The idea that we would have to show an ID card showing that I've already had the coronavirus and I survived it, and so I have the antibodies now, so I'm allowed to go into this building, to go into a store, to go into a church, to go into a synagogue, to go into a post office. The, the idea that I would have to show papers that prove that I'm disease-free and able to go in here is very reminiscent of what they did to Jews in in pre-World War II Nazi Germany, making them show papers to have access to any place. I found it to be very accurate, and that is the farthest thing in the world from anti-Semitic, as you say, Mike. This is this is essentially showing compassion for those who went through that and saying we should not put anybody through that today. And you wouldn't even have to use Nazi Germany. You could use any totalitarian state. You could use, say, the yeah. Soviet Union. You, you could use Bulgaria. You could use you could use Venezuela. I mean, people are required to have national ID cards and show them to get in and other things. And uh, we had that debate ten or twenty years ago here in this country about a national ID card and voted, and the public opinion was dead dead against it. It's not something Americans do. And when you look at the people who are protesting at the at the state house now they feel that this violates their constitutional rights that's their point and by the way requiring people to show a health certificate into a building uh, is probably a hipaa violation to require someone to to disclose their medical records i would agree i mean hipaa HIPAA is you know they can be tyrannical about this how many no, there's, there's, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're right to your health information remaining private is as, as sacrosanct as anything it is. It's, it's very, very important, in fact. And, and Mike, you know, the, this is kind of away from the, you know, the Nazi Germany reference or the anti-Semitism argument or anything else, too. But just, you, do you have a thought on the insanity of it? The fact that they're saying, if you have the antibodies, which means you've already been infected, you can, quote, go about your business. But if you haven't, you have to remain on lockdown. If, you've, if you're fortunate enough to have remained healthy, you don't have the antibodies yet, so therefore you have to remain on lockdown. You can't go about your business. Just sounds like Catch-22, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's, it sounds like <laughs> stupidity. And it's, uh, and this is, you know, Mike, okay. uh, you don't have to go political here if you don't want to, but when Mike DeWine tells us any complaints about the policy of this administration need to be directed at me, okay, deal. Because you did appoint the director, and the director's a nut. The director is suggesting that it would be a dream to have these ID cards showing you've already had the virus, and if you don't have one, you can't move in public. you got to stay put and stay quarantined. Well, how are you going to get the disease if you quarantine me? How am I going to get the antibodies so that I can move in public if you're forcing me to stay inside? Yeah, the buck does stop with you, Mike DeWine, and if you don't get rid of her, then we're going to have to get rid of you. That's the bottom line. Yeah. I think I think when, I, when you talked to Patrick Wood yesterday about technocracy, yeah, I just completely relying on the person with the MD degree, yep, can be a problem. Yep, um, that's exactly what we're doing. Up our, and, and it doesn't. 
Americans have common sense. They're sick. They're not going to go, you know, and social distancing isn't a, a terribly bad thing. Uh, if somebody has symptoms, they're not, they're not going to be hanging around other people. They're not going to be going out to a restaurant. They're not going to be doing stuff like that. They, they don't want to infect other people. Um, that's, that's right. People have been very compliant with the masks and the gloves. I know I have. Um, I'm, you know, and I'm in my seventies now and I, I don't want to get sick from this. Yeah, you're but, in the, you're, but, in the uh, high, you're in the higher but, risk group. There's no I doubt feel, about it. I, I feel that everyone in the country will eventually get it. Most of them won't even know they've had it. Some of them will have symptoms, but won't get very sick. There are, million, kind of like there are the, millions the who have already had it, and, and they have no idea they had it because they just thought they had the flu, because sure. that's what it presents and, itself as in almost everybody. Right. And as, as the research is beginning to show, um, it's not as lethal as we had feared, um, that the models created by uh, Imperial University in London were completely wrong. Yep. Um, and so um, we're beginning to uh, put some common sense forward. And uh, it's time to move along. That's how I feel. Now, I, I, I totally agree. I've got a jet. I've got a jet here. It's already nine fifty-two. But so, but I just want to okay. point people to your website, uh, pjtn.org, Right? Yes. Pjtn, which I, is proclaim, proclaiming justice to the nations. Michael Goldstein is the Ohio director. Last yes. thought, Mike. our president is Lori Cardoza Moore. Right. Excellent. Oh. Mike, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you for your thoughts on everything going on with the ridiculous uh, attempts to paint the protesters at the State House as being anti-Semitic because of a couple of idiots with signs. I really appreciate and, your reason, your common sense. And painting Andy Brenner as anti-Semitic, which is just false. Exactly right. Exactly right. Michael, thank you so much. Give my best to Bev. Okay. Thank you, Bob. I will. 9.53, let's get out and come back in again on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 9.58. The Bob France Authority continues. Thank you again to Michael Goldstein of uh, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations, uh, and I'm so glad he shined a spotlight on Andrew Brenner. Uh, Brenner is getting killed, uh, verbally, of course, uh, by the left-wing media and by, of course, the Democratic Caucus, Ohio Democratic Caucus, for saying, or comparing, rather, Amy Actives, uh, Act Duns, excuse me, Dr. Labcoat is the best way to call her. She continues to try to buy authority uh, and buy relevance by wearing a lab coat that she hasn't needed in uh, for a job for years. Um, but uh, Dr. Acton by declaring that it would be her dream for Ohioans to have to show official certification that they're disease-free in order to move about in public, in order to, quote, go about your business, which would mean go back to your job. You would have to prove that you have the antibodies, prove that you have had the disease and survived it, and thus built up the antibodies to show that you are immune and thus cannot infect other people in order to go to work. And you can't just have done it. You have to have a card with you to prove it, to go about your business. Brenner, Andrew Brenner, a Republican uh, state senator from Powell, compared that to the... You know, pre-World War II Nazi Germany uh, rules that forced Jews, and not just in Germany, as Michael Goldstein said, that forced Jews to carry papers. Jewry, you must show your papers 
And if you don't have your identification papers, uh, it was over for you. The idea, you don't have to take a very big leap to see that correlation. There is a, there is a connection there. There's a comparison there. And the fact that Amy Acton is Jewish makes it even more appalling that she would suggest this is her dream to make people show certification, papers, or ID cards showing their disease free. But that's not the worst part of Amy Acton. That's not the worst part of the, 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 the person that Mike DeWine handpicked in February to be the director of the Ohio Department of Health. The worst part is that he chose this Democrat activist, he chose this pro-abortion uh, doctor, Amy Acton, this former Obama loyalist, and she's completely and wholly incompetent. She can't read a model. She can't make proper projections, and now she's suggesting that in order to move about in public, you better have the antibodies, but oh, by the way, if you don't have the antibodies, you better stay inside. And guess what? If you stay inside and are quarantined, you can't get the antibodies. Catch-22? No, just just catch stupidity. Stand near a bit. Stay six feet away from Amy Acton. Give yourself a six-foot perimeter, or you might catch the stupid virus. Dr. Everett Piper next.